0: Welcome to Skin Deep with GlyMed Plus. In today's episode, we're talking to Dana Tuitt, all about caring for skin of color. Hi everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. My name is Sarah Robbins. I'm the Director of Education here at GlyMed Plus. And I'm a master esthetician in the state of Utah. And I have a very special guest with us today. I have Dana Tewitt, who is actually our chairholder on our UAC committee. So Dana, do you want to introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about you?
1: Hi, Sarah, sure thing. So my name is Dana Tewitt. As Sarah has mentioned, I am an esthetician. I am based in Trinidad and Tobago, that's in the Caribbean. For those of you that don't know, I am U.S. certified, United Kingdom certified, and I have been in aesthetics for over 15 years. My own practice has been in existence. This year would make it 11 years. I've always had a passion for aesthetics, and it's become a lot wider over the years. It is a complete pleasure to be in the presence of Glymed, sitting on the USC chair committee, it's just been an amazing experience thus far.
0: And amazing for us. Like we're honored to have you on the committee, especially as our chairholder. Um, so that means that Dana really helps to run things, keeps the communication between the committee and climate on track. And so, and you've just been a pleasure to work with in general, so. Thank you. Very excited to have you here and very knowledgeable in caring for skin of color. You have a very established practice and so, just ecstatic to have you here. Thank you. So to kind of start things off, Dana, do you want to tell everyone what your favorite treatment to perform
1: is? My favorite treatment to perform, I would have to say it's like my first facial for clients because it's where you transform that understanding of what they've done before, what they've experienced before into true clinical treatments where Mm -hmm. they are like, okay, they have no idea what was going on before. They're leaving with so much knowledge and such a brand new approach on how to care for their skin. So it's great that we can implement hardcore chemical treatments, chemical peels and exfoliations, but all of those things don't come unless you really tap in and touch base with how your clients are going to interpret the care for their skin moving forward.
0: Yeah, I so important. How long would you say it took you to realize that that was like your core
1: facial or your favorite one to perform? I think after just trying to get right into like an acne facial which is great and satisfying because you see the change but that change doesn't come unless you really have that foundation of okay this is what you're going to do at home and these are the practices that you are going to establish to see true results and I found that there was a definite disconnect with somebody wanting to see results Mm -hmm. and as a therapist jumping right in to be like okay we're going to do extractions, we're going to do a peel. And then I was like, this is not really building a foundation where we can structure true results because that really helps to give the skin the foundation that, okay, this is what you are going to build up to. And that is where so many of us tend to get ahead of ourselves in terms of treating Um, not just skin of color, but just treating skin in general, that we want to get into that aggressive nature because that's what people identify with. You know, they have pimples, they have pigmentation. So Mm -hmm. that's the first thing they want to do when it really should be sustainable skincare where they can take care of that skin in and out of, you know, flares or sun exposures or hormonal breakouts or pregnancy. We have to, we really have to establish where that begins.
0: And I love that, Dana. I think that's very special because like you said, it's so easily overlooked or like skipped because we want to like get into the good stuff. But really taking that time to establish your client in their treatment and kind of like what the process is, the importance of home care, um, that it really is like 50-50. They also need to be committed to this relationship of caring for their skin there's going to be things on their end that they need to do. It's not just us. We're not miracle workers. And I think that's huge. And I, that makes a big difference between a good esthetician and a great esthetician. So I love that that's your whole practice and foundation. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, Well, love that. Very exciting. Thank you for sharing that so many good points in there. Um, And today we actually have Dana. We're going to be talking about um, caring for skin of color, talking about how practices have changed, um, her favorite uh, treatments to use, ingredients, um, and then also just like helping estheticians feel comfortable caring for skin of color. Because oftentimes I think it's um, because of the lack of education, it can seem like a very scary, like untouchable thing. And that's definitely not the case. Now you should still um, receive education and be knowledgeable and caring for skin of color. So I'm not just saying go out there and just do whatever because there are guidelines, but we definitely wanna help spread some of that knowledge and education today. And um, Dana is the best person to share this advice. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our first topic, which is um, how is treating skin of color now? Specifically, what are best practices or what do you like to look for when you are caring for your deeper Fitzpatrick clients?
1: Well, when we are caring for deeper skin, uh, darker skin, skin that is gonna have that multi-ethnic background, we are really gonna first things first start with that intake. So even before we begin to touch that face, we're going to talk about our client and this goes beyond, you know, just identifying, okay, this person registers as a four five or six on a Fitzpatrick scale. It's really and truly getting into their family history, what they've done, you know, what they've observed and also where do they see themselves positioned in their care. And within that five-minute intake or just really getting that person cleansed and before the treatment really gets deep into it, you're going to start peeling back. And one question leads into the next and one question leads into the next. So I have personally found that a lot of people are doing aggressive care at home because it's a lot more accessible than it was 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Things are being promoted as safe to use or you're going to get great results, And in most cases, and in many cases, I've found that it has actually worsened a person's condition. It's working against their skin type. It's not suitable for them, or it's not even suitable for them at this particular time. And as we will always fall back on education being the emphasis and where we begin with, we see see that within the treatment room. And it's really becoming very honest with our clientele, being very straightforward with this information, not putting them down because it's not to break someone down but Mm -hmm. it's to say to really ask them why did you choose this form of treatment or what led you to purchase this product and why have you been using it this long and then of course the golden question that nobody anticipates what results have you seen Mm -hmm. and that's when you get the silence because (laughs) in most cases a person has seen little to no change they would have seen minimal change at the beginning but that will happen with any product that you're using for the first time it's always going to be that okay i've been using this it's working amazing and then two to three weeks later it just kind of plateaus and if we if we really and truly get into that whole background we can really dial it back we can get people to step off the ledge of using 25 products at a time mm-hmm. and really get them onto a fixed routine one that they're going to be committed to use Two, that we can really chart their progress and we can really track what direction we're going to go into. Because from the time somebody gets their first facial into the second, they see their skin start to settle down, texture refine, that glow sets to sit and They're like, okay, you tell me what's next. That's when they're just like, they're like, you know, I'm giving it all to you. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting you with my skin. And this goes double time for ethnic skin. This goes double time for people who have high Fitzpatrick's because it's always that hyperpigmentation matched with not quite being sure with how someone's treating their skin, not being able to see long-term results. And those are the reasons why someone will come to us. So as aestheticians, we have to lead with that understanding that do you know enough about where, where you're going to start with a client? And if you don't know enough about that, then you need to get that information. You need to really invest in that aspect of education and more so taking a step back to develop systems within your own business and practice as to what is going to give you those tools to move forward.
0: I love that. Um, Really that skin analysis. And just like you said earlier, that foundation with your client, where you start things is really where the magic starts to happen. Um, as far as like on that skin health questionnaire, or before you start that skin analysis, Dana, are there like one or two questions that you think are crucial that you as the esthetician ask your client that every esthetician should be doing? And if so, what are they?
1: For sure. My first question is, are you using any active ingredients on your face and that could go from acids to retinoids to if there aren't any um, And Because a lot of people don't think to really dial back to figure out what's taking place. So they may go to a dermatologist, they may go to a cosmetic doctor, and then they'll come to an esthetician all in the space of one week. So you have to make sure that there is not a doubling up or layering of things that will clash or cancel each other out. And also my favorite question, do you use sunscreen? It's huge. You need to know if yeah, they use it, you know, you know, and if they don't, then a lot, a lot of things could be set in motion by introducing that into their routine and explaining to them why a lot of what is happening with their skin is tied back to the absence of this in their routine and their daily routine at that.
0: Yeah. I mean, both amazing questions and one, ones we should be asking. And then with the sunscreen, asking if they're reapplying and knowing Absolutely. what their lifestyle is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have like a beach, babe? Do you have a client that's at the beach, you know, at least once a day or are they indoors? Like you need to know what their lifestyle is like. Absolutely.
1: And because I am based in the tropics, that's Mm -hmm. something that we did not grow up with in conversation. So a lot of clients who have had from inception, that was the first time that they actively started wearing sun protection, you know, outside of going to the beach. So that's where they'll be like, okay, well, I have it for the beach, but on a daily basis, well, my moisturizer has it or my makeup has it. And we know that that factors to very little Mm -hmm. when we really talk about daily application, reapplication, how much sun we get, you know, this that I have right here, this is natural light. This isn't anything else. So we we're constantly exposed and just understanding that that constant exposure, seven days a week, how many days a month, how many days a year, constantly for years there's a lot of damage and there's a lot of things that we can really and truly take the years off with. If we change those, those practices. Yeah. Those habits for sure.
0: It's the everyday day to day that is doing the Absolutely. most damage. Yeah. And it's good that mindset that you have to get your clients out of that. It's like, we don't use sunscreen just for when we're spending time outdoors. It's really Correct. an all day thing. Yeah. Every, every day, single all day. day. Yeah. And something you said earlier that I really appreciated is that when we're building these relationships with our clients, it's important that we're being friendly, but firm, and we don't want to make Mm -hmm. our clients feel embarrassed or bad about whatever decision that they've decided to make with caring for their skin. But it is our job to educate them and let them know the trends and the fads. And like Dana, I know this is something that's really passionate about you, but like social media and all of the exposure that's constantly flooding our clients Um, how do you feel about that? And do you have any tips and suggestions for other pros with handling social media?
1: Um, I think you can't fight fire with fire in this case. You have to remember that your battle is in your treatment room. It's not going to be online. And when you have a personal service, it's going to be a person is going to come to see you. And they're going to come to see you based on that expertise. You're going to be dependent on your relationships that you're building, your word of mouth your professionalism, your expertise. And that is very difficult to translate into a social space. So we know that many clients, people who are very interested or want to become very involved in in skincare and love having their skin be at its best, they are going to be very much, very much invested into vloggers, bloggers, influencers. Mm -hmm. And when they come to you, it's because they have already tried a lot of the things that are out there. So you don't need to bash what they've used. They already know that it's not working. We can go into a mode of correction and proper information. We have access to that. That's the beauty. Mm -hmm. We really have the tools to say, okay, this is what has happened to your skin. Did you observe you know, when you use this product, did it get very sensitive? Did you find that you experienced dryness? And your client most likely will be in shock and awe because we know what is going to happen when you use certain products for a prolonged period of time, or if you use it with another active ingredients. This is not information that a vlogger or someone who is just selling a product online is going to share with them because they are really and truly, they're advertising. Yeah. That's what it comes down to right? And many times you're advertising many different products. And we have to now be in our safe space because we know that we are the professionals and guide them accordingly. So it's not about, even if they go to someone else, it's not about just bashing something and putting it, you know, putting it down because that might be something that you actually use. But what you can then do and educate them is based on how do you use it? When is it included? When would you apply it? How do they understand that this is not something that at home you're going to use religiously
0: mm-hmm. Yeah these
1: are, great, these are great ways for us to pull it back and know that we could use our platforms and social media for education for open communication that you can welcome people to ask you questions with the different tools that social media allows without you know, getting into that back and forth where people are like, oh, well, she said this and they said this and they said that. No, what you say is final because you know that you have that backing of your clinical experience. You have your experience within your treatment room and nothing is going to counteract that greater than being able to be open for them to ask questions. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I, I love that because I think I see this more with newer estheticians, That we see all these viral trends and social media, like everybody's throwing something out new and doing something different. And when you're a new esthetician, I think it's really easy to get sucked into some of that and be like, "Oh well, since it's everywhere, I now have to cater that to my client um, or clientele." Versus like someone who's more established and has been working with skin for a long time would be like would realize that that's not a realistic thing or it's not something that's sustainable. Um, how do you like to, or do you have any advice for like estheticians who are newer, who are seeing all these trends and things on social media? How, how do you recommend they navigate that a little bit?
1: Well, in skincare, what we're going to have is that you're always going to have your niche, you know, your specialty, and it's going to take you a while to get to that point. And the best way to figure out how to steer that course is for education, because when you're sitting into a webinar or go to a live training they are going to be talking about things that, that are going to be so unfamiliar to you that you are now going to be so fired up to find out, okay, how do I get to a point of understanding how this works with acne or how this works with hyperpigmentation and anti-aging? This is always to stay because of also, you as, a, you as an esthetician should also be going for treatments elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Go and really and truly be a consumer as well, that's a great way to figure out what is out there, how it feels to be on the receiving end of a service, what type of information is coming your way. And then you want to really move away deliberately from a gimmick based service.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Because when somebody is really, it's great if it's widely being absorbed and you're putting out a promotion or you're getting information and you're attracting clients, but when a client gets interactive with you, and that energy isn't matched, you're going to run into problems because this is something out of hood for a lot where people are like, you know, I'm not feeling confident or do I need to do this? And do I need to do that? No, you don't. Your personality is unique. And just as each skin is unique, you are unique as an esthetician and you are going to find clients that identify and you're not going to have to be you know, having your energy jump from place to place to tap in with your clientele because it's going to be consistent and you have to be consistent with what you offer. And it's, it is really dangerous. It really is dangerous. And following estheticians who are ethical, who are responsible, who are going to really mirror where you want to be in five to 10 years, that's very important. And that inspiration is key. And steering away from ideals that are just unrealistic for where you live, um, the resources that you have, you know feeling that you need to do all of these things too soon. It's really learning to creep before you walk.
0: Yeah. I think such solid points in everything that you just said, such wisdom, especially because you've been doing this for a while, you know, you're very skilled at what you're doing and you've seen trends and you're aware of what will stay and what won't. And as estheticians, like Dana is empowering all of us to make sure that we acknowledge that we are the professional, like we know what we're doing and to not lose sight of that and don't get um, for lack of a better word, almost manipulated or tricked into more of these gimmicky things for social media.
1: And also to just add to that, it's that these trends, you do have to take note of them because your clients are going to ask you about them. So becoming knowledgeable about a trend is important, knowing how it works, how it functions. And if you do do a promotion or you do include some aspects of a trend, into your treatment room it should be beneficial so you are still going to have to learn how to tweak different things apply them remove them and see what works because somebody could be really fired up about having a particular treatment done but they're not a candidate for that yeah and educating them that not because you didn't do it they need to go do it elsewhere let them know why it should not be done on them at all so they will know in the back of their minds that if someone gives this to me, it's going to be problematic. I'm not going to be pleased with those results. And they're going to know that if they do decide to do something like this, this is what they are risking. This is the chance that they are taking. And they're going to have to think long and hard before putting themselves in that position where it might be an unsatisfactory result they're ending up with.
0: Yeah. Going back to building that relationship, having honest conversations with people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And you touched on education there, Dana. Um, So do you want to talk about like how education is as far as realizing and teaching about skin of color? Um, Do you want to share like how you feel about that or what you would like to see more of or what is done well? I know that's like a lot, but just touching on education
1: education is important because when I started in skincare, there wasn't a great focus on how to treat skin of color. It was a broad brush with skin. So the focus has always been skin types, um, you know, Fitzpatrick scale, it's always been skin conditions. And then all of these things will allow us to know what will happen to darker skin when it's being treated, but not so much what happens in the treatment room. So there's a lot of things that we see differently. So erythema looks differently, frosting looks differently, crystallization looks differently. And becoming educated on this seems as if it's an easy task, but it's very frightening when you're in a treatment room and you're learning it that way. And unfortunately, many estheticians that treat skin of color, that is how we had to learn. really you know pick apart protocols pick apart um you know hoping that whatever company you're ordering a peel from or an exfoliant from you know you know it's me picking up a phone to say hi you know i'm dealing with darker skin if i see this what happens or if i see that what happens products that don't work the same on darker skin that it works differently on you know fits one to three and because i've treated you know, that entire range, I've seen it over the years where I can probably, you know, run through a, a treatment very, very quickly on a fits one to three in a 45 minute routine. If I'm treating a darker skin type, I've actually just extended my treatment time from 50 to 75 minutes because, you know, you're treating things like you now, you're, you're treating heavily sensitized skin. So some application times, um, in perfect example with, let's say I'm using Glymeds, Deep pore cleanser. Mm-hmm. You know, it may start working on a lighter skin. You know, within two to three minutes. I've seen it take about five minutes on darker skin to work, especially if it's congested. Especially if that skin has been compromised. And just allowing for that understanding that it's never going to be just a cookie cutter approach. Protocols, trainings, education. These things are observations that have been put together. But you are still going to have to put together how you operate in your treatment room. And this is going to vary from climate to age group to what you are going to be exposed to and how you want to treat and chart out your treatment room and to grow your practice in a way that is really going to be a responsible way, not just saying, okay, all right, this protocol is up. Let me use it. There are certain things I can't use, you know, because it's just not going to lead to the best type of recovery. And that space of education is important. It means that you're going to have to invest in your education, sitting in on seminars, really paying, paying that forward, that investment forward with any line or a line of interest or something of interest that pops up to you before you even invest and in purchase product. Sit in, sit in, ask questions, go to a trade show, go to, go to um, a huge conference really have that, con- that have that conversation with representatives and you're going to know in an instant if this is something that you should get into that was how i that's how i discovered climate i went to you know to a conference in Texas. i saw a peel actually being done it was a five berry um pigment peel and the person who was the model was a woman of color And they said, this is going to lighten. And every single step of the way that they said, every part of the protocol, what she was experiencing was what the esthetician was explaining. Mm -hmm. So it was such a great, comfortable way to like get into that chemical treatment. What's going to be safe? What's going to be practical? What's going to be something that is going to be predictable, but safe and something that will work where, you know, where I live. And what I will be able to build my clientele and to educate them and to safely move away from just, okay, it's a one and done approach. You don't want someone coming in for one facial and thinking that this is all they have to do. This, like anything else, is going to be heavily backed with maintenance. And when they come in, every time someone comes in, it can't be the same conversation they're having. You can't have the same amounts of information. You are going to have to say, well, today, this is what we're seeing. This is what we've noticed in the industry. This is how we're going to apply it to you. And this is how we build, grow, and really solidify, again, those foundation relationships with our clients.
0: Yeah, you can never have enough education. You will never know it all. Um, so always look, like Dana was saying, always look for new opportunities to learn new practices and new techniques. And things do get better over the years. And we find better ingredients that are more inclusive. Um because there is so much that you can do with all Fitzpatrick's, um, just keeping in mind that you do need to be a little bit more cautious and careful. Like Dana was saying, she adds more time to her treatment for her deeper Fitzpatrick. And I love that. I think that's very smart because you do need that time to analyze the skin and see how products are working. So I love that. Um, Dana, as far as like, um, techniques or processes, do you want to talk a little bit about how they have evolved in your practice over the years? Like maybe if you started using a certain technique or ingredient and like maybe how has that changed and what do you like to focus on now?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I think my favorite thing is when someone steps into my treatment room and I don't have a steamer.
0: They're mm-hmm.
1: always <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, no steamer, no heat. And um, it's amazing because I love the fact that when I started, it was all about, you know, using a powder enzyme you mix it up and you put it on and then it's going to be activated by heat Mm -hmm. and it worked at that time but life was very different then our lifestyles were very different as well and that same thing that you've said it's become so inclusive it's come a lot it's come so far and wide where you're able to really pre-treat a skin and get right to business and get right to work in terms of transforming what someone says and what they see within their skin. And when they are walking out of that facial room, they are amazed that one treatment has brought them to that. So my favorite aspect is being able to prepare skin and I can do an exfoliant with an enzyme or with a lactic acid or with a glycolic acid within a space without ever having to bring that skin to a stress state. It's always controlled. And with darker skin types, we always have to understand that if we shift that skin too far out of its comfort zone, it's going to react negatively. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that. And that is what we're always talking about. Post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, rebound hyperpigmentation, hypopigmentation, when that treatment gets too aggressive too quickly. We tend to be, as aestheticians, knowing what we can see into the future. So we sometimes kind of leap and jump too far ahead. Mm-hmm. And pulling that back within the treatment room has really worked to my benefit. And I've seen a change from initially, I would be doing, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to heat up the skin and then I'm going to put on this peel and then I'm going to do this. And, you know, you're trying to get everything done in 60 minutes, which is impractical. Yeah. And what has really helped is the home care that's now available that at home care which has really bolstered a lot of continued benefits for for my clients and even for people that just kind of focus on retail so they don't like facials but they want to use high impact skincare Mm -hmm. that's been amazing for them and they see true results and when they see those results then they're like okay, so do you use these same products in your treatment room? Is this the same line? Is this, you know, can I expect better results? And they are now introduced because they trust that if this is what I can get at home, what can I get in my treatment room? You know, and we have seen that it shift with even the introduction of being able to use LED mm-hmm. and use, you know, equipment. We're using skin scrubbers, which are ultrasonic, Um, treatments we're seeing the use of just I mean it's just so fascinating the way it's changed that all of these things work together they don't work isolated at all and I think that's the important aspect to really pay close attention to is that they work all together very Mm -hmm. well and we actually can get our clients in really often if we also separate them well so if I'm doing a deep acne treatment I'm not going to follow that up with An LED treatment, I'll have them come in within the next couple of days to follow that up, and that is actually what is recommended in terms of really seeing how your skin is progressing because it's great to check in with your clients, and that is something that therapists can include as a complimentary add-on that are going to come in in 20, 30 minutes. And it's a great way, to, you know, to double check and to check in to what's happening with your clients, especially when they're very new to having facials done and you're concerned that they may have purging after or they may be a picker and you kind of want to kind of give them that extra support. Those things really work hand in hand in getting people on board and keeping them on board because two to three weeks can pass and a person could really slump back in to old practices and habits. And that's definitely not what we want. We want to keep them on that right track.
0: Yeah. Especially if you're working on really stubborn skin conditions, or if you're trying to really get your clients to a space where they're seeing that huge improvement again, it's like 50, 50. They also have to be committed to that. And I love that you said that you're going to have clients asking if what they're using in their home care is the same as in the treatment room, because you better believe they're going to ask you that. So having that consistency between what you used for your services also is being offered in home care. Absolutely. And I feel like home care is something that as estheticians, we hear all the time that it's so important that you're doing home care for clients, but I'm like, it really is so crucial in making sure that your client's skin is not only healthy and maintaining the results, um, but you're also able to get to those results. Um, But also it's just good practice overall for skin health. You know, so it's just one that I feel like you could never, um, you could never not know enough about how to home care or making sure that you are having products for your clients to use in their home care, because it really is part of that magical number that, res- that leads to results. So.
1: It is, and it's a quicker, you definitely get to results a lot quicker when you have that backing of good pharmaceutical grade skincare you mm-hmm. know, at home. And what many people don't realize is that you actually use a lot less products. You don't feel the need that you have to add in 24 serums and you know, three eye creams. You can do a very comprehensive routine. And I found that people do want to use products once they know that it's going to work for them and they have trusted you to guide them, they are willing to scale that down and step into what is going to be effective for them because they could have been using some products from months at a time, see absolutely no results. They will they walk away with a sample kit or a home care kit from you and that transforms within seven days and that is where you really know that your expertise is where it should be because you believe in what you see and yes, they're going to have things selling on websites you're going to have things that are selling cheaper and it's accessible but that accessibility and some and a packaging saying this has it in it and this ability to really deliver those results are not the same as what you are kickstarting in that treatment room or what you're going to be giving your client to go home with and it's very important that we see the need to support that because sometimes estheticians have a way of saying you know I find retail so difficult I find that it's um, you know, how do I do it? Does it make any sense? I just want to focus, but you're making your job also very difficult mm-hmm. because if it's not being maintained, just as you said, Sarah, you know, you have to really ask yourself, what are you really trying to achieve?
0: Yeah, it's, it's so true. I mean, when I talk to my clients about home care, I often will use the example of going to the dentist, right? So you'll go to the dentist typically once or twice a year and you'll get a professional cleaning. Um, and you might get, you know, like a fluoride treatment, but then you go home and do what not brush again until your next dentist appointment. No. Could you imagine the mess that you would bring to your dentist? If you didn't go home and brush your teeth with a toothbrush and toothpaste and floss and mouthwash, all of the maintenance to help take care of your teeth, but also maintain the health. Um, versus if you didn't, you were just bringing more issues and problems to your dentist And the same kind of goes for your skin. You know, you need to be taking care of the skin, preparing it, getting it to a healthier state in between your treatments with the esthetician, those services. So, and kind of when I use that example, it's like a little light bulb for them. They're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Or if you have a client that works out, you know, consistency, like Dana said earlier, consistency is key. That is the biggest thing that your clients need to do is be consistent and us as professionals, we also need to be consistent. So you can't go to the gym once and then come out with like rock abs, you know, that I wish, but that's not how this works, you know?
1: And it also, it also allows us to be able to really, you know, practice advanced treatments on them. So when your skin and your skin health is where it should be, we can really take you to different levels of these types of treatments that we offer. We can't do that you know, ethically responsibly if your skin is not at a state where it can have a proper chemical peel if you're just at a level where it's an enzyme treatment. So it really is like bootcamp for the skin as well. So that consistency allows you to be able to tolerate better treatments, see greater results, see a quicker turnover. So it's a win-win for all, for all when, when we really look at it.
0: Yeah, it really, it, it's huge. It can't be missed or overlooked for sure. For sure. Um, Dana, speaking of that, what is your favorite ingredient right now for, um, all Fitzpatrick's, but especially your deeper fits, is there like a certain ingredient or treatment that you're especially loving, especially cause you come from like a really sunny, warm, um,
1: area. I think definite. Oh, so it's two. So it's okay. definitely going to be two. Um, it's going to be lactic acid mm-hmm. and it's going to be TCE, um, Because um, you're looking at your colorblind treatments, you're looking at, it's going to be really safe. It's going to be breaking up. It's it's those tyrosinase inhibitors, which we find very difficult because little known fact that, you know, in a lot of treatments and a lot of skincare that is targeting dark skin types, it's going to have hydroquinone, which I hate. Um, they're going to have a lot of bleaching agents which are not the same as a tyrosinase inhibitor so they do not deliver results they deliver damage and you see a lot of them mixed in with sun protection and I'm like these are two different things they can't be mixed together they're not going to have the same effects if anything you're going to end up with hypopigmentation thinning skin absolutely it's going to be a lot of damage and just having my clients use products that are gonna have tyrosinase inhibitors, they begin to see that breaking up of that pigmentation and they're gonna couple that with their sun protection and they just see lasting results. So I say lactic acid into TC is because that's the graduation. That's the levels that we start with and that we go to. Mm -hmm. And when they are actually able to have a a, a skin peeling peel or a skin shedding peel, they can really see those amazing results and it just kickstarts and it does wonders for pigmentation, but it does amazing results also for clarity. And then I can still go in and use those even with an oxygenating treatment or with an anti-aging treatment. They could be cocktailed so easily and they gave great maintenance and I just see lasting results with them. And I don't have to worry that it's not going to be, oh my gosh, this person is not going to be pleased. If anything, the messages are, um my skin is peeling is this normal or I'm seeing this area that is really lightening up with brick like is this supposed to happen this soon and I'm like it's because your skin is where it should be yes. so I'm always excited when I can really apply those treatments effectively and they're safe on dark skin that's the thing they're safe and when it's safe on dark skin it allows us to really get that range to perform treatments that work because that is always the issue. The issue is using something that might be too high in salicylic acid that might cause a lot of weakening in the skin. It might be, you know, too stripping, too drying, too aggressive, and it's not going to be a great space for that for that dark skin to thrive and to be able to even use support at home. Yeah. And with hydroquinone, most people see that breaking up of of you know pigmentation very quickly, but then they see it come back so quickly. Because they don't know what, what is really being used. They just think that it's a one spot and that's it. And, and that they'll never have to treat it. Yeah. But, you know, dark skin is going to respond one way every time. So knowing what we can anticipate, educating our clients on the safety of what we are doing, why we're doing it, and how they can also support that at home is very important.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you. I love Lactic and TCA. Like you said, they're colorblind. So they're safe for all fits. Um, but they create changes in the skin and something that you mentioned that I think was really important is that when we are creating those changes in the skin and we are using professional ingredients, sometimes the skin has to go through that process where they experience like flaking some of that unwanted or like not the most desirable situation the skin has to go through. And that's a good thing. And it's good that you talk to your clients about that so that they are aware, um, because like we not all ingredients that are going to create these amazing changes are going to be light and fluffy and not, you're not going to feel them. Right. Some of them are a little spicy or they're going to create some flaking and texture momentarily as it's working on the skin underneath. And so sometimes you have to have those conversations with your clients. So they know that this is normal because it can be scary for them. Absolutely. When they're like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm peeling or I'm flaking. And you're like, Oh, this is normal. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, just just guiding them through that and having, you know, that checklist of what they can anticipate and also that open communication that if anything pops up, if you have a question, you know, please let me know if something happens and we didn't discuss it or we didn't cover it. Please, you know, please send me a message so that we can get on it immediately, because the worst thing is that your clients, after a skin changing treatment, thinks that it's something that they need to do when it's really probably just their skin having a response to it, which is a very short space. But if they have to handle it on their own, they may do something that is aggressive or they may actually worsen what is taking place. And we can kind of guide them in terms of how they use their home care or switching out, swapping out something that's going to be really beneficial for them to see better results, to see change or to just kind of like ride the wave through that skin shedding or that, you know, just that Texture that they might be experiencing momentarily, because one thing we always have to remember is that within that facial, we are starting a chain reaction, and you're not going to see that within the facial, you know, the more advanced our treatments get the deeper they go, and as the deeper they go, the greater the change and that change could take a few days to be seen. And when that is coming about, they have to know not to become panicked, you know, to follow your instructions and just keeping that information and that professional touch is very important, you know, not dispelling their concerns, making sure that they feel encouraged and they feel as if it is a safe space for them to ask those questions and they are going to get the guidance that they need. Yeah, it's
0: uh, just that open communication, like you said, I think is huge. Sometimes as estheticians, we, we know so much, right? So we understand all these little, um, stepping stones in the process, but our clients don't, and it can be a little bit scary and nerve wracking for them, but we're like, oh, we know that this is normal. So it's good that you reiterate that and you educate your client and they, as they trust you more, they're able to like feel more comp- confident, and comfortable in their services with you. And just knowing that, okay, this is probably supposed to be happening. so. Absolutely. Um, I kind of want to touch back on education, Dana, um, and just talk about if there's anything that you want to share for making it a more comfortable space, whether it's talking to our clients who are skin of color or for other estheticians who maybe are lighter fits, like how they can be more comfortable with using certain verbiage or having conversations with our deeper Fitzpatrick
1: clients. You know, a big part of it is really asking a client how they feel about their skin. You know, um, we are talking about skin because we are treating said skin. But it's very important for us to understand how a person feels in their skin, how how, how it looks. So somebody who is a darker Fitzpatrick, they are going to have, you know, very dark brown, purple to black lesions on their face. And that's disfiguring. And that's that psychologically, you know, that really affects a person's self-esteem because this is what they're seeing. This is what they're dealing with. And if someone's of a lighter complexion, it's going to be like, you don't understand my struggle. You don't know what it's like to have this or to even deal with it. And it's very easy to treat with it the same way. Mm -hmm. But even if you look at it from, you know, under under a lamp or under a light, it's going to have a different texture. The lesions are going to be raised. They're going to be keratinized. They're going to be painful in some instances. They're going to be cultural treatments that a person has done, things, home remedies that they're going to apply. And really finding out all of the things that a person has done or what they've experienced or where they've gone to. Really trying to document that to figure out where to start with them. It's very easy, as I would always say, to get ahead and try to fix everything all at once. But you said it right. That verbiage is very important, you know find out from them, you know, what do you want to achieve with your skin? Because you could be seeing pigmentation and for them, it could be acne. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be thinking that it's the acne, but for them, it's the pigmentation and it's the texture because they might be okay with the pigmentation, that could be covered up with makeup. They're okay, but they're not okay with, you know, with the texture in which it is under that makeup. So what we see has nothing to do with what a client is experiencing and taking yourself out of your position as someone who could fix it and know what to do and understand where they have been they have been told what to do many times before you know you're not going to be the first esthetician that they would have seen you're not going to be the first person who has given them you know all these fluffy words strung together telling them and guaranteeing them of success but it's really walking them walking them through sorry that process and understanding that okay where do you begin Mm-hmm. you know, and really starting from a very simplified state, you know, even using something as a Fitzpatrick tends to be, you know, a mouthful, Cause, but that's become a buzzword of, you know, as of late, but it helps us to classify and to categorize how skin is behaving, how it's responding. So also understanding and probably even breaking that down further to say, you know, do you have family that's of a different, you know, ethnicity? Do you have family that's, you know, Latin? Do you have Asian family? Do you have Indian? Do you have, you know, is it Afro? Is it, you know, where is your heritage from? What do your relatives look like? Because this also helps to allow us to also create and craft a much easier, you know, language and what we're doing. And even for estheticians to reach out to other estheticians who do have that, you know, that basis or willing to mentor them or willing to conduct a training on you know, dealing with darker skin types, because this is not something, unfortunately, that many skin lines have touched on. You're seeing a protocol Mm -hmm. and this protocol may call for salicylic acid, but you're not going to be able to use that concentration of salicylic acid on a darker skin type ever, right? It's not going to be safe. What is the option? What is the alternative? So those are some of the areas that I would suggest estheticians look towards. Don't just take it as its package to you. Break that down. If you know that this is not something that's recommended in terms of best practice for dark skin, don't use it on dark skin. Don't try to just take a cookie cutter approach and apply it because it can't be done. And if you're going to get to that point of using a recommended, how far or how long has that client been with you that you are comfortable to introduce more aggressive treatments but know it's going to be successful to them because it is a possibility but this is going to be also based on your experience this also is going to be based on your your access to high quality ingredients not just anything that's available and also making sure that you also have that network and a community of persons that you can have a discussion with and say you know i have a client this is what i'm seeing you know you know, what would you suggest, you know, what would be your approach? And this is, and this is us building a community of responsible professionals. This is of knowing where you can tune, you know, product lines that you want to stay away from, lines that encourage, a you know, inclusiveness, that you can really get that level of support. Because as I said, I've had to create my own modified versions of an acne treatments and darker skin or hyperpigmentation treatments, even following, instructions to a T I would have been like okay this is two passes and this is not how this is supposed to be Mm -hmm. what did I do wrong or did I go in too aggressively or was there something that was overlooked so we really have to take into account our measure of responsibility beyond training as well that our self-education not doesn't just end when you have a certificate that says, okay, I'm certified in chemical treatments. It means that every client is going to be treated with differently. And you have to really take that apart bit by bit and take that time out to really navigate that space cautiously, Mm -hmm. cautiously, because you have one opportunity. And if something does go wrong, you have to know that your client should be able to trust you to correct that with time as well. Yeah.
0: It's, I mean, it's so true. Um, And sometimes things do happen that we don't plan for in the treatment room and it's okay as an esthetician, um, you need learning from your mistakes and experience is huge. Um, and just knowing that sometimes it does happen, but Dana, I love that you encourage others to reach out to other estheticians who are highly skilled in certain areas or are working with a clientele that maybe this is your first deeper fits client Coming into you and like reaching out to peers or other estheticians that you trust to make mm-hmm. sure that you are going to be using steps and like some key points to take into that treatment room. Cause you can still care for that client, um, but you should be challenging yourself and growing yourself as an esthetician to make sure that you are comfortable or, or at least have that basic um, knowledge or foundation for caring for skin of color, depending on anyone that comes into the room. Right
1: yeah and um apart from just dealing with skin of colors learning how treatments work figuring Mm -hmm. out how the skin functions because if you are not clear on how the skin functions when you start to see it function differently you are going to be very scared you're going to be very concerned that you can't do it and you may also need to go and do a refresher program you know continuing education you know, there's nothing wrong with going back to the basics and refreshing that information because you're going to be seeing people with different stages. It's not always going to be um, aggressive skincare that you're after. You also need to learn how to treat someone with, you know, very mild, intermediate um, concerns that you should be able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is going to be good enough for you in this space. Everybody doesn't need to be thrust into aggressive care. Mm-hmm. Some Someone might just be, you know, interested in having like a really good pick me up or, you know, just to get the skin back to a great space.
0: Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you on the aggressive treatments. Cause I feel like oftentimes as estheticians or professionals, we feel like we always have to be like going balls to the wall, like very aggressive, like every treatment needs to be so hardcore. And I'm like, there's so much beauty and results that can be found in more of those, Um, moderate, and I don't want to say gentle, but more of those moderate treatments more often, those can be really powerful and life-changing for the skin and for your client versus having to do something so intense every single time. And really as estheticians, we know that you shouldn't be doing intense treatment after intense treatment. You need to give the skin time to heal and rebuild up. So I thought that was a really important message that you shared um, just because I think it's easy to get lost that we should always be doing extremes, and that's definitely not the case. Absolutely. And just even what you were saying, like I think it's important to question um, all things in aesthetics because we're always learning new things, we're discovering new information, um, and information that used to be considered right is now outdated or not necessarily something that we're doing anymore. So I think it's important, um, especially in our industry, Dana. I'm sure you've seen this. There's Kind of like this wave of things that go up and down and like there'll be ingredients that are like on the bad list all of a sudden. And it's like, well, try and find out why or what's being said, because sometimes a lot of it can be marketing, you know, or sure. miss misleading. And so I, I think it's important to always question and do your own research you should do that anyways, but definitely dive in deeper and understand why it's on the bad list. Or maybe if it's not, it shouldn't be on the bad list. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Because that could be said for, you know, for arguments with skin of color, pregnancy, Mm -hmm. um, you know, aging, you know, your age, like you're using products. And that could also be said just in terms of how good is the product from the line? you know, how good is this line in terms of offering high quality ingredients? Because if it's an, if I'm using an ingredient from a company that's high quality, I'm not going to be concerned because I respect what they do. I know that they're going to be transparent with what they offer. And if I do have a concern, I know exactly where this could be directed. Um, this issue really stems from me based on cheaper products Mm -hmm. that that people could use at any given time that they will be abusing. So something could be put on a, a, on a bad list because it's been abused. It's not, it was never intended to be used once a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, every single week for an entire year. There are many things that I think should be phased in and phased out of routines. I don't think that anyone should be on any active ingredient for any prolonged period of time because that doesn't support skin health. You're not allowing your skin to see where that performance is today. If you're using something that's going to elevate the way your skin is, where it be refined or acne being controlled or pigmentation being, you know, really dealt with and supported, then at some point in time, you should be able to have a balanced routine that does not depend on these things. And if you're unable to do that, then you definitely know you're using your own products. And you are literally abusing your skin. And there's a lot of abuse that happens with skin before someone gets in with an esthetician and they develop a relationship. So even us as estheticians, we have to do that research. And that research is not just online. It's buying products that we may not believe in trying it because that's what I do all the time because I need to know what it feels like if it's burning if it's tingling what it smells like what that ingredient list is like if I'm using it every night what it feels like if I go out without sun protection if I put on sun protection that is what our research really means it means that we have to put our money where our mouth is and really put our skin in that position because if we are not walking that walk and you know, opening ourselves up to know what products are like out there. What are we talking about? We're talking about it from a from a standpoint of, yes, this works, but it works because we says it works or we don't know what, why it works this way. And then we also have to be open to now introducing our clients to better ingredients, you know, so for us to offer them samples or, you know, ask them, you know, try this and let me know. You know, my, my long-standing clients, I'm always like, hmm, You know, I want to take you up a notch. I don't want you to buy this just yet, but I want you to give this a try and see how it works on your skin. And then we'll go from there. So this also gives you the option for them to not have to pay pay out one time. But Mm -hmm. you know that this is something that you're not going to miss. And this is a relationship that has been built. And they are going to use it and they are going to see amazing results. And that is going to also solidify their absolute trust in you as a professional, that it's not just money motivated, but your benefit is going to be seeing their skin success and seeing that you too are invested in their skin future.
0: Yeah. I just, I love listening to you, Dana, because I'm like such wisdom, you know? You're (laughs) like, you've been doing this a long time and you can tell and it's just like, I just love the information that you share because it really is special. You know, it's not about, I mean, of course we have to make money. It's our business, but, yeah. but you do things like estheticians who have been here a long time or are here for a long time because of the background and, and what they put into their business, right? It's Absolutely. reliable. It's ethical. It's, it's the real deal. Yeah. And,
1: and I that love that you that trust is everything. When people trust you, you have to be responsible with that trust to guide them on the right path.
0: Yeah. They're coming to you for a solution and it's important that you provide that, but in an ethically safe way for them as well.
1: So. And it's, it's really important that you mentioned that because that means that we also have to be responsible for how far we can practice, um, in terms of also letting, your clients know, you know, this is time for you to see a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. You pass that off when you realize that this is not something that you can treat because that's not leaving money on the table. That's being very smart about how you operate your business. When you realize someone may have, you know, they've been exposed to certain topicals or certain ingredients that it's well out of your depth. And you have to learn how to walk away from that just as well. And that says something about you in terms of, you know, you've done an intake they've checked the boxes and you have all the questions still, that's not a problem for you to fix. We're not miracle workers. We are going to work always within our scope and do so with the utmost amount of care and responsibility. And that means saying no to something, you know, putting a client on the right track. So even having dermatologists that you can refer cases that are not within your reach to treat, that is very important. And in turn, you can develop really good professional collaborations and just further, further accountability where that means you're not going to have much to explain. You're not going to have a lot to you know make excuses for because you know exactly what you can do.
0: Yeah. And I love that. Such so smart. And it doesn't mean that you have failed as an esthetician or that you're not knowledgeable or it doesn't it has nothing to do with you. But when your client gets to a point where it's like, this is out of my scope of practice, I think like Dana said, that says a lot more about you, your integrity and your character as a professional than anything else. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean that you're not knowledgeable or qualified, but I think it shows that you're a very smart esthetician. So absolutely loved that. And I love that you suggest living and breathing in the industry as well, trying everything You know, it's one thing to sit there and lecture about something, but it's entirely different. If you're like, I've used this, I, I use this every day and I do this, like it's very different and your clients will be able to pick up on that right away. So
1: absolutely because they'd be like you know have you you know it's in a pink bottle and it sells mm-hmm. and this. i'm like yeah this is such and such and they love that you know people yeah. love the fact that you know exactly what they're talking about and you could save them the trouble because you know how to fix your skin easily you have access to it you know it's not going to be so easy after they've invested if they've used something for a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. it's not doing what it's supposed to do so they're going to love you even more for really putting yourself on the line and saying okay yeah i can save myself this trouble
0: yeah which I think is huge. And just being open, like Dana is saying, open, that open communication, I think is huge. Don't hide behind the curtain and just be like, well, this is professional and that's why it's better. Like you need to give some explanation and a foundation for them to be like, oh, that makes sense. Right. So
1: And it's not going to be wise to just dispel someone from using something because sometimes, you know, just as with everything, you bash something enough, you're going to push people towards it because they're going to be like, oh, you you don't know what you're saying, you know, and they're going to be like, oh, well, you don't like it because you're not selling it or because you're not using it, but it's great for me. So you have to be very careful in terms of how you balance that as well. There are going to be things that really don't work for someone. And there are going to be things that they can get away with. And it's not our responsibility to beat them down, to just use what we use. We know what we use is quality. We know that it's going to be impactful. And we also know that it's going to work. But sometimes people have to take that time to come around. And when they come around on their own, it's going to be a lot more solid. It's going to be long standing, And they're going, to, they're going to have to learn. They're going to have to learn. People are going to use great ingredients, go back to cheaper stuff, they're going to go to things that's easily accessible to them and then they're gonna i've had it i've seen it i've had clients who've used you know seven dollar vitamin c's and says oh my gosh it started out great it got chaotic their skin went through the wringer. Mm-hmm. they came back we did facial treatments we got them good again and they went right back into it because they thought that their skin could handle it and then they learned that yeah. second time they definitely lose, and then they're like okay I'm going to throw it. So, you know, I, I know that it's not working and you still have to have that patience Mm -hmm. because this is human, you know, that's human behavior. We will do it for anything as well.
0: Well, yeah, our clients have to learn from experience too. So sometimes they have have that journey and you just be there and you support them and love them through it. Even though you're like, all right, here we go.
1: (laughs) And I laugh about it because, because it is discovery. Yeah. And It's and it's and it's very heartwarming when they come back to you because they know that you're not going to judge them or you'll chuckle with them and you'll just shake your head and they'll be like, you know what, no problem, I'll fix it. You know, let's get back on track. And they they love that environment over an environment where they are you know, scolded or treated poorly or feel as if they failed, because it's not about that, they're discovering. And we know that it's going to be about trial and error, even with clinical products, yep. you know, you're going to be like, oh, right, this is a perfect product. And you may have to swap all that person's cleanser midway through the month, because it's just not, it's just not what it should be for them. Yeah. So it really gives you that space for grace. And you should be definitely there in that delicate space as well, giving them that support. So true, because
0: I think them coming back to you is a testament to the relationship or how you've made them feel as a client, because if they're ashamed or embarrassed, it's very easy for them to go somewhere else. So if your client is coming back, I think that's a huge acknowledgement.
1: Absolutely. And they know that they're going to come back to warmth and to education and to knowledge and you're going to pick apart what happened. And it's very important because people really want to know what happened with my skin And I think that's where that relationship with your peers in the industry is important because someone may have more experience with acne or they may have more experience with young skin or with mature skin. And you definitely need to always kind of lean into that expertise and that support to help to guide you.
0: Yeah. And I love the word discovery because I think oftentimes we're so used to thinking like what's right and what's wrong. And I'm like, and really there's no right and wrong but that discovery is like that magical term for it. So I I love that you say that because it's a very safe, comforting word for them. And they know that they didn't like that.
1: Yeah, correct. Correct. And you know what? It could also be just um, miscommunication because Mm -hmm. they may take what you say in a treatment room very literal and it might be too much too soon. And you can now guide them back. And then as well, they have now figured out a balance as to what was going to work best for them as well.
0: Yeah. I love it. All right. Dana, is there, I feel like we covered a lot of good information you've shared so much and I hope everyone is just like jotting down so many notes because I'm like, seriously, it's like gold coming out of Dana. Um, but is there anything that we didn't touch on or anything that you want to make sure you leave with, um, everyone today on the podcast?
1: I think um, a very important aspect is just getting out there and getting intentional about getting that information. And it is going to go from being educated from where you were certified, where you got that continuing education, where you get it. You can have any amount of certif- you know, certifications of and everything, but you really have to get into that space. I think it's very important for us to utilize the systems online platforms that we use in terms of putting information out there for our clients to see sometimes I find information to be very secretive and the knowledge is not ours to hoard it's it's, it's knowledge to share Mm -hmm. and your knowledge can't be repackaged elsewhere when someone comes into your treatment room they are going to know that you are the real deal or not that's not gonna be something you're gonna fake or be able to fake for a long time. So getting that information, investing in that education. There are educators who are you know, experienced estheticians who have retired from the treatment room but are really invested in guiding people into safely treating skin of color and to discovering how to do so as well and not just using a broad brush approach with all skin types because what someone looks like versus what someone is going to do for their skin is also going to really rely on their success from you, the esthetician. And we, the estheticians, have to start with that. We can't just assume that a person, they know it all. We always have to be willing to take it right back to the fundamentals to figure out where the day start, where are they now, and where do they want to go? So our education is gonna help us to track those things. Our involvement in, you know, committees like the UAC, um, you know, that really brings about a lot because then you have to sit back and think about what are you bringing forward, what are you talking about, and it's also going to open a community where estheticians are not seeing the other estheticians as competition but as colleagues. You know, you know, you're not going to be able to do a facial 24 hours a day, so understand that you also could be someone that a person is, you know, they, you are referred out you know Mm -hmm. or you may refer someone else out if this is not a practice that you have and you can grow your practice based on that and based on the knowledge of 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 sharing of discovering and really making sure that we practice safe skincare all the time and we are also creating that space where we are now learning to, to you know to shift and to drift because I would have been a beauty therapist, where I was doing so many different services. And then with the years, I started to go deeper and deeper into skincare, where that is really what I do mainly now. So I have really been able to really focus on it. And it takes so much time, so much effort to develop your skills. It is not going to be taking one course and being ready. You know, it's going to be that experience. You're you're going to mess up, and that's not going to be the end of the world you are going to, you know, feel as if like you don't know enough. And that's a very good thing. That's a good thing. Cause that means that you're going to be hungry to continue getting informed, getting educated and wanting to be a, among the best.
0: Yeah. I love it. So well put. So well put. Um, Dana, thank you so much again for being thank on you. the podcast today. Again, just, I love listening to you. I could listen to you all day.
1: Honestly, I'm like
0: so wise and like kind and well spoken. So it's always a joy to visit with you for sure. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Of course, you're welcome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast, and we will see you in the next one. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We'll see you next time.